Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. This month, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the eagerly anticipated new entry into the Harry Potter cinematic world, is released. Harry Potter fans are already flocking to see the newest story, even though Harry, Ron, and Hermione are nowhere to be seen. For this episode, we're going back to where it all began, with 2001's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Ryan is a fan of the Harry Potter series, while I haven't ever really come around to it. So, in celebration of its 15th anniversary, I'm going to give it another go. As everyone expected, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was a huge hit. The cast blended some of England's finest actors with some promising young talent. The movie, directed by family movie veteran Chris Columbus, earned just over $974 million worldwide. The critics were generally positive, and most fans were elated to see the beloved book finally come to life. Since then, the rest of the series was almost equally successful, with the final installment split into two movies, earning about $2 billion between them. But does it live up to the standards set by J.K. Rowling's smash hit novel? Or is the magic gone from this one? Keep listening. Excuse me. Who are you? Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Of course, you'll know all about Hogwarts. Sorry, no. No? Blimey, Harry, didn't you ever wonder where your mum and dad learned it all? Learned what? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? A wizard. And a thumping good one, I'd wager, once you trade up a little. No, you've made a mistake. I mean, I can't be a, a, a wizard. I mean, I'm just Harry. Just Harry. Well, just... That is, uh, of course, Hagrid telling Harry what Harry should have known already. That just he's a Harry. Wizard. Just Harry. That is the moment where Just Harry becomes Just Harry Potter, and the legend is born again, I guess. Yeah, I never understood why J.K. Rowling, you know, didn't call her books Just Harry Potter. Just Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those, like, real, like, real, real Harry Potter fans. Oh, that I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It must make more sense when you read the whole series. Yeah, it's like a huge part of the book, yeah. Okay. I'll just have to take your word for it. Yeah, I know. They don't really have a name for Harry Potter fans, right? Yeah. Uh, they have the Do Potterverse. They? The Potterverse. Well, yeah, but they're not like potheads or like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Or, or like potties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe we maybe by we the end of this episode, maybe we'll we figure can it coin out. One, yeah. There should be something. Maybe this, uh, I think by talking about it, we're officially entering the Potterverse. Like, this is now. We've you know, somehow gone through the gate. Well, I mean, this episode will be, it'll it'll go up on some wiki. Sorry, I'm, I'm just quick Googling a Harry Potter fan base name. No, there isn't a, there isn't a nickname. Although I did just find out that fans of Twilight are called Twihards. I do not like that. <laughs> Neither would Bruce Willis. Probably not. So, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's yeah, Stone. I'm a real, I'm a real pot, potty. 
<laughs> you and your, that one may not. That one may not <laughs> stick. You and your Potter mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, dang! It's starting off well. <laughs> well, anyways, welcome back, Ryan. It's actually been a while, I think, since we recorded. It has. We kind of did two back to back, and then uh, took a little break. I think. I, yeah, I, I needed that little breather. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, well, I mean, nothing's happened since then. <laughs> nothing at all. Nope. Uh, I've just been watching Harry Potter over and over again ever since we did our Wickerman episode so yeah. yeah i'm completely in a bubble i don't have any idea what was going on in the world right. uh since halloween i can't um, imagine anything no um and that's the way we'll keep it sure so uh harry potter is um 15 years old this the movie year. yeah the movie yes sorry i should the have books uh, i think are 19 years i mean the first one something like that Either way, that just does not seem like that movie should have been 15 You feel years old, old, right? I feel very old. There are kids that. in high school who were born after that movie was released. <laughs> Great. In case that puts anything into perspective for you. Before we dive right into our discussion of Harry Potter, why don't we talk a little bit about our first time seeing the movie? How yeah. much of a Harry Potter fan are you? You, you? you are a Harry Potter fan of the books, yeah. at least, and I think the movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not like, it's not a hill I'll die on. I really, I really enjoy it, though. I wouldn't want you to die on a Harry Potter hill. <laughs> I'm glad to know that if that were happening, yeah, uh, that you would retreat. There are hairy heads who Her- would. <laughs> I like that one. Hairy heads. Head, hairy heads. It's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Yeah. We'll put that. We'll put that. Have the intern put that on the whiteboard. Okay. All right. It's done. All right. So, um, why don't you talk about maybe, uh, you know. If you can remember yeah. 19 to 15 years ago, well, uh, your your memory of Harry Potter and, yeah. and the movie series. And I'd also like to, you know, maybe have you talk a little bit about, because you, you continued with the series, right? Like, oh, yeah. uh, the, mm-hmm. the, you've watched all the movies. Yeah. And, okay. Which, which like, it's kind of funny the way you're saying it sounds like, oh, wow. But there's like, to me, it is. There's, like, there's well, like yeah. billions of people who have seen all of seven I know. movies. <laughs> This isn't like some niche thing. <laughs> I know. Like, let's I know. Tell me about, how did you get into Harry Potter? How did you hear about it? it? I honestly, I didn't see the movies. I don't think I I watched the movie, any movie, or read any book until three of the movies had come out. The third one being Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, Azkaban, Azkaban. I say Azkaban. Okay, because I'm American. I don't know if I don't know. I really only saw that because. Alfonso Cuarón directed it, and yeah. we're like, "Oh, well, that catches us off guard." And whatever, right. and okay, you were a little late good. to the game. So, like, six of the books had come out, and three of the movies. I genuinely don't remember if I read the book or saw the movie first. It wasn't really important to me. I wasn't, mm-hmm. but at any rate, I know that I read all six books in the course of like a month. Just t- pretty much tore through them. Then. Yeah, yeah, and there, that's easy to do. Like. They they're long, but they just fly. Yeah. J.K. Rowling really does know how to like keep you keep you moving. Keep, yeah. yeah, and like I said, I don't remember the first time, the first like instance of what happened when I saw the movie. Um, but I do remember what I felt, and it was just like this is a really like childlike, warm movie. Now like, you're talking about Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, or are you still talking about? Prisoner? Yeah, I'm talking about because okay. I didn't watch Prisoner of Azkaban first. I watched, watched them in order. Yeah. It just felt very like my childhood like it just brought back a lot of like childhood movies and like Mm -hmm. the sense of wonder in those first two movies is just very innocent feeling and just like it it became a movie 
um, those first two movies, which I would consider the the worst two of the series, okay. those two became the ones that if I ever rewatched Harry Potter movies, it was those two. Just because it was just... Brought back those warm yeah, feelings. Yeah, I mean, Chris Columbus, you know, Home Alone and right. wrote Gremlins and whatever. He just kind of gets that point in our lives. He has that sensibility, um, which maybe that was a really pointed choice because they could like hit the kids in their childhood, but then also hit another generation's childhood hmm. by choosing Christopher Columbus. I don't know. I don't think he was like the pet perfect director, obviously, because the directors that came after him. Sure. But you can, really see, took the, you can see the decision making that would have gone into choosing someone like Chris Columbus right. for the first two movies. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I don't think that they're great movies, but they do a great job of capturing the feeling of the books and capturing the feeling of what a ch- a movie for kids should be, hmm. you know? I, I can't say that when I saw it that I had that feeling. So I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, I just didn't have that feeling. I remember I saw Sorcerer's Stone in the theater. Hmm. I saw it actually, uh, I believe, you know, I don't remember what, what the opening weekend was, but I saw it over Thanksgiving weekend. I remember that. And I was two at, days ago. Okay. No, three days ago. Sorry. Okay. I just saw somebody said like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was released 15 years and two days after the original Harry Potter. Gotcha. We're now one day after the release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So we are 15 years and three days after that the is some quick math. That is some quick math, Ryan. Oh, I found well that fact out yesterday okay. and I've been mulling it over. Oh, okay. Yeah. It sounded quick because you were just rolling it off your tongue. Right. But anyways, um, I saw it because I was at uh, my relatives for Thanksgiving and my cousins were humongous fans of the books. They were actually a little bit younger than me. So they were that perfect age because mm-hmm. I believe, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, so I was already like a freshman in college when it came out. So, I mean, I wasn't quite the target audience for the first Harry Potter movie, or, mm-hmm. and I wasn't the target audience for even the the book when it came out. I was a little bit older, I think, because yeah. I was in high school then. And mm-hmm. um, But my cousins, who were a little bit younger, were that very much the, the book was written for them, yeah. and they were so excited to see the movie. And that's what we do on Thanksgiving a lot of times. We go see a movie after the meal. Mm-hmm. And so we went and saw Sor- the Sorcerer's Stone, and I knew the basic idea of harry potter just that it was you know this boy wizard mm-hmm. and they went to school learning how to be Witchcraft a wizard and right exactly um so i kind of knew generally what i was getting into and i knew it was something that was more of uh, maybe not a kid's film but a, like a family film yeah and um i was ready for that and i started watching it and just i i just got really bored by it mm-hmm. and i eventually actually and probably this had to do with the turkey and all that but i did fall asleep a uh-huh. couple times in the movie watching it and i i mean i would think that a movie that is a sort of fantasy adventure kind of movie would at least have kept me awake if not necessarily engaged the entire time so yeah. anyways that's how i left it and i ended up i did see chamber of secrets didn't like that either so uh-huh. i pretty much wrote off the series i haven't seen a single harry potter since then because i kind of and i know that yes it had different directors but by then i was kind of tuned out yeah now my wife is a humongous harry potter fan a real whiz kid i like that I one put too that one forth what was the one you said harry head harry head she's a she's a harry head a whiz kid a, whiz kid. a, a, a potter a pot a potty pothead a pothead yeah. <laughs> uh she's all of those things okay and, and <laughs> oh boy 
she she's read the books multiple multiple times and she was kind of like well you really need to read the books and i've read uh three of the books and the books didn't even really grab me i got through the third one and Mm -hmm. then it's not that i hated them it's just that other books came up and i just never continued Mm -hmm. with the series it's now been a few years they just have never grabbed me i i can i Mm -hmm. it's almost like as soon as i get done reading them or watching one of the two movies i saw i can't even barely explain like much of what happened in them or like i can't remember the plot hardly of any of the books um it's just not a memorable thing to me. It's it's never been something that's resonated with me or grabbed me. I, I guess that's just kind of where mm. I've been. And so when it came time to rewatch it, and I know you're a fan of at least the books and uh, the series, movie series as a whole, um, I was kind of excited to give it another shot. It's, it's been 15 years, so I thought, yeah. you know, maybe I've grown you're up a, a little person. bit. I can see it in a different light. You've got kids, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it was just something I want to show my boys or... I, I do find that since becoming a father, I watch certain movies through a completely different lens. Mm-hmm. So I was excited to watch this, and so okay. um, now we can. Well, that's that's good. Although it doesn't sound super promising. Um, <laughs> did you have it rated? Did you feel like you could? I don't remember if I've ever rated this on Letterboxd. It might have been one of those that since I fell asleep during it, I didn't feel like I could give it a reasonable rating. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I did, it was probably at like a three star or something like that because I just didn't know. Like I figured, you know, it wasn't a terrible movie. It's just um, I fell asleep in it. So yeah, as far as falling asleep goes, I I am no no one to judge. There's not a movie in the world that could keep me awake when my body doesn't want to. True. I've fallen asleep through some incredible movies. I've fallen asleep through some of my five-star movies you know the first time oh, i've yeah. seen them just because of the situation no, so that's not necessarily uh writing off the entire movie because i fell asleep in it yeah um, did you rate it the first time that you saw it i'm trying to look and see what what, or, I, what I have it rated as i should say when you set up you know your letterbox <laughs> account yeah, yeah i don't have it rated for some dumb reason but i can tell you i would have rated it at probably a four okay i think it's got like a half star of just being like part of everything. Yeah. Maybe like even to a whole star of just being part of everything. Part of the Potterverse. Yeah. And the Harry Potter thing. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. Do you want to share how you felt on the rewatch or? I can. To? I mean, I, it, it's probably hard for you to kind of. It is hard because. Think of it as a single film. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I was watching it thinking of you watching it <laughs> okay. and thinking like, yeah, there's a lot of dumb stuff in this. Very childish stuff. And what's tough about that is that the movies and the books all grow in seriousness mm-hmm. with Harry. And I'm aware of that, by the way. Like, I know that the mov- the books even get darker as they yeah. go on, and they actually seem to almost mature with the audience that they was do. originally like, It's almost for, like you, know? you need to be the age of Harry in order to read the book. Yeah. Um, so this is a movie and a book for 11-year-olds, essentially. And, and I took that into account. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to. I don't have to defend that. Um, I still enjoyed it. Like the. I mean, the movie glows golden. It's shot in this golden light that it just feels so. It's like it's like a a light on in a house during snowfall. Mm-hmm. Like it's just one of those like inviting movies. Sure. Um, and I still get sort of taken in by Harry's wonderment at the world of wizards and all this stuff. Um, that first visit to Diagon Alley is like, you know, it does it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like hold it up against some of the best sequences in movie uh, history. But I, I think another interesting thing about it is having watched Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe specifically and so many other things. Yeah. Um, 
to watch where they started and it's sort of funny but also i think more so with emma watson i was like oh she was actually doing some good acting like yeah no i mean then. yeah and so it's it's tough for me to say what i think about the movie because it's not like i don't know about its flaws mm-hmm. and it's not like i can't sit there and like make fun of it but uh i still just really enjoy it and um I, I kind of want to hear what you have to say. That's not super helpful of what I just... No, I, that, but that, I get that it. That little stumbling tangent. I mean, I will start by saying, you know, the last thing I would ever want to do to anybody, and especially you as, you know, someone who oh, I know... Thank you. <laughs> we talk about film a lot, obviously, on this podcast, yeah. but also we, I know we, we respect each other's, you know, tastes a lot. Uh-huh. And the last thing I would want to do is ever, you know, ruin somebody's cozy film. I think we all yeah. have those cozy films. Yeah. I think if you have a film that just brings that warmth to you every time you watch it, there's no need to have somebody come on and tell you all the flaws in it and tell you why you should hate it. I will just tell you from my experience, and I even get what you're saying. I do think that that there's some scenes in there and some some parts of the movie that do radiate that warmth and that glow that just Mm -hmm. really do make you feel, you know, good when you watch it and bring you some of that childlike wonder. I'm just gonna say that for my rewatch it still bored me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there are some things about, I realize, and I don't know, even know if it's, it, it could be inherent to Harry Potter itself. I don't know if the movie could have fixed them, mm. but there are some things that just frustrate the hell out of me about this movie and maybe Harry Potter in general. I don't know. Maybe we can get into that, okay. but I, I don't want it to turn into, yeah. you should hate this movie. No, you, know, yeah. you are. Dumb I, I don't, I don't it, see you, know? you doing that. Um, I don't know why. I think it is me. Part of it could be that I took a quiz after watching it and uh, to see what house I would be in, and I was in Slytherin. You so were? I was. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I think that's one of the big flaws of the book and the movie, especially this time, is that uh, it's so black and white. But that is something that ends up, as Harry matures, he sees more sides to Slytherin to and Slytherin. people who are in Slytherin. You mean that Slytherin is, quote, very determined and ambitious? Uh-huh. Uh, that they tend to have a clear vision of the future? Mm-hmm. And are very meticulous and directed when working towards their goals. Yeah. So I guess I'm. But Those in the first movie, to be Slytherin is just yeah, to be scum. It's just to be the know? worst thing. In, yeah. yeah. But okay. uh, well, I, I, I mean, how do we want to take this? I guess. I mean, to me, okay. So letterboxed rating. I don't. I'd probably put this at like a two and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't really ever want to watch this movie again. Sure. I don't think it's mm-hmm. ever going to click with me. Um, mm-hmm. And again, watching it, I just. I kind of see where you're probably where you're at with a lot of these historical epics that I make you watch in here. I just wanted it to be over. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it was just like, can this end already? I yeah. don't see the point. You know, hmm. it was hard at first for me to put a, my finger on what exactly it is that really bugs me about Harry Potter mm-hmm. or not necessarily what bugs me, but why I can't seem to connect with it. I have some ideas okay. and maybe you'll be able to kind of bring some magic uh, ma- yeah <laughs> yeah some wizardry to uh to my to my thoughts or maybe I'm missing something maybe I maybe I seriously like maybe tuned out during a scene that was very important that <laughs> you know <laughs> the scene that makes it all <laughs> right. something you care about uh if you want to talk about Harry Potter in general or this movie specifically, I, I honestly don't know. I'll, I'll go wherever you want. Okay. Well, I don't really know a ton about where Harry Potter goes after this. Uh-huh. So we can't really talk a ton about that. Um, you know, this is this is a movie that is within the genre or the landscape or whatever you want to call it of like fantasy adventure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... 
There's other movies that are like that that I'm totally into. I love the Star Wars movies. Not so much the later ones, but uh, as a series, I like Star Wars. I like Indiana Jones. I like Lord of the Rings. I mean, I like, you know, Willow. It's not uh, like you need it to be grounded in reality. No, no. But that is part of what bothers me. I almost feel like this movie kind of like Star Wars, definitely like Lord of the Rings. I think it could have used a good prologue. There's not much setup for anyone who's not already initiated into the Harry Potter universe for you to really understand this world that you're entering into. Now, I think Hogwarts in general is a very well-fleshed-out world, Mm -hmm. and J.K. Rowling and Chris Columbus, as the person who has to visually bring this to life, does a great job of really paying attention to the details Mm -hmm. and making you feel like this is a world you want to spend some time in. But where I just get lost and where I think there's an inconsistency in tone, and I know it's a kid's movie, Mm -hmm. but I don't get what the real struggle is. And you don't really figure it out until almost two hours into the movie. Like so much of fantasy is good versus evil. And yeah, I know it's very black and white. You almost kind of want it to be in a fantasy movie you want to know what you're fighting against Mm -hmm. and i felt so frustrated watching it this time i'm like first of all this is sort of a world that's analogous to the real world but why are there wizards why why are we there like why are there witches and wizards that never explains that very fact and i don't think it necessarily if you're a kid you care but i care (laughs) it's like why are there wizards like what's what purpose do they serve i mean even in the marvel universe there are superheroes and you understand that maybe they're born that way or whatever but you understand why they're there like they're Mm -hmm. there because they, they use their powers for a certain goal or Mm -hmm. a certain morality that they preserve Mm -hmm. i don't really get what themes harry potter is playing with at all so harry potter is supposedly some sort of you know promised wizard or Mm -hmm. some some sort of messianic type of figure but for what and then eventually you find out that there's this voldemort character who is a villain who cannot be named What's his goal? Like, what does Voldemort want? Power? But power against what? Does that have any bearing on real life? Like, real muggle world? You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't get, first of all, what the stakes are, but even what the threat is in this movie, you know? It really frustrates me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I have a hard time seeing this as anything more than just a movie that's giving Harry Potter fans a good hit. You know, you read the books, you loved them. Here, you know, here's a movie version of it that's actually very faithful to the book. And yeah. boy, isn't it a lot of fun to just spend time in this world? The end. Uh, you asked a lot of questions I know. there. <laughs> yeah, you can take it anywhere you want, you know. And you can also completely disagree with me or, you know, think that you might be able to provide some insight on this. Well, I, I can, but the, the, the trouble is that I can, I can imagine that the reason there's not a prologue explaining everything is because... We're seeing things through Harry Potter's eyes. Mm-hmm. And Harry doesn't know anything. Harry knows as much as we know. And all we know is that he got put on the doorstep of his aunt and uncle. And as Harry learns things, we learn things. The interaction between the wizard world and the muggle world, and I, you're kind of testing my... This is where my um, status as a as a wart <laughs> A Harry head. <laughs> there he goes, another one. <clears throat> and you're full of them. I'm coming up with stuff uh, is going to be tested here. But the muggle world is un, uh, unaware of the wizarding world mm-hmm. for the large part. And the wizarding world wants to keep it that way. In the books, the wizarding world is much farther removed from the muggle world where, like, wizards only wear cloaks and stuff. And, like, 
whenever a wizard has to go into the muggle world, they always look ridiculous because they're wearing what they think muggles will wear. Sure. And um, almost like tourists. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. And so in the books, that's a much sharper divide. For the most part, I think the wizarding world just wants to exist and will do what it can to protect the muggle world. Voldemort, as you learn uh, throughout the books, he wants to create like a pure race of wizards, okay. destroying mu- not only muggles, but anybody who isn't wizard-born. So like Hermione, who has witch, which became a witch. I, I, don't, I, I don't even quite know how that happened. I don't expect you to be like the exhausted, you know, the sort of authoritative source right. on Harry Potter, but but that's that ends up being Voldemort's goal, and that's what he tried to do by killing. Like, so eventually, eliminate all Muggles. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now those are some high stakes, right? I would have loved to have had, known that. But kinda, again, for like that kind of pressure to be on an eleven-year-old. No, that, I don't think Harry becomes, Potter even needs to know it. I oh, think the viewer need to like, needs to know it. You know, well, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like okay, so. You know, I'm not saying it needs to be just like another movie I liked. I know mm-hmm. that's not fair. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars does a very good job of setting up right away, even though most of the movie is going to be through Luke Skywalker's eyes. It sets up right away that there is an empire mm-hmm. that's very dangerous. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in Harry Potter. Yeah. You eventually get there, but by then I was already tuned out. I think know? that comes through more clearly in the book, and I think you're right. The movie doesn't spend its time on that. But yeah, the stakes are high, and Voldemort tried to do that. You Again, you don't find this stuff out until much later. Dumbledore, throughout the books, is a character who is very much like need-to-know basis with the information he gives yeah. to Harry. And it becomes a, a serious source of tension for Harry. Like, why did you keep this stuff from me? I should have known that I had this relative out there. I should have known that I had these things. It's one of the more interesting dilemmas, ethical dilemmas throughout the series is like Dumbledore knowing everything he knew, why didn't he do more to prepare Harry? And he thought he was protecting Harry and all these things. So the the, the stakes are there, but and it's it's a choice by J.K. Rowling to unfold it as Harry learns it. I, I agree that it does seem especially because of the red herring of Snape throughout the movie, where it's like, Snape's bad, Snape's bad, Snape's bad, wrong, Quirrell's bad, didn't see that coming. It's like, (laughs) how could I have seen that coming? You just had us focusing on Snape this whole time. Right. And then like the fact that he had Voldemort on the back side of his head is like, oh, okay. But again, watching it this time, since we're looking at this through an 11-year-old's eyes, I can see why it would be so obviously Snape to them because he was like the thorn in their side or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And it could be a commentary on like the limitations of black and white thinking. Like you ignore an actual threat in, in, in favor of somebody who just rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. that would be maybe a good place to take the conversation. Even if I couldn't figure out maybe what the real battle of good and evil is, I should at least be able to decipher what themes the movie's playing with. And I had a hard time even doing that. Maybe I'll throw this question out to you. Earlier in the week, I was listening to an interview on um, Terry Gross's interview with Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. He talked a lot about how every movie he makes, he tries, and preferably down to one word, he tries to come up with the theme of that movie. So, for instance, the conversation, the theme was privacy. Mm-hmm. For The Godfather, the theme was succession. 
And it made me start to not necessarily, I don't think every single movie needs to have like a one word theme. And I'll tell you, as an English teacher, I tell my kids that if they can boil it down to that, they got it wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I I, I say if it's one word, it's a topic. If it's a, if it's a sentence, it's a theme. Well, and And he's coming, he's coming at it from a director's point. His whole, his whole point was. What does he have in mind when he's. And to a greater point, um, his, his idea was if you can boil it down to one word, it helps you as a director to know what decision to make even when it's a very detail-oriented thing so even when it came down to in the conversation what jacket gene hackman should wear right privacy was the theme so he found a jacket that was like kind of see-through yeah so Mm -hmm. put that aside sure i'm not saying it needs to be one word but i could not figure out what this movie was about i I had a few ideas yeah it could have been about friendship camaraderie Mm -hmm. i don't know it could have been about identity which i feel like the movie probably does more with or the series i should say does more with later and destiny yeah but i feel like if you're just going to look at this one movie of the series i don't know what the focus is on this yeah. movie you know mm-hmm. even though it is a faithful adaptation it still leaves a lot out the book is a lot more of a mystery mm-hmm. about snape but also like what's going on with the sorcerer stone so it's it um which in the movie the sorcerer stone doesn't come up till a very long time into the movie yeah kind of like Oh, yeah, I kind of forgot that this was called The Sorcerer's Stone. We're just mm-hmm. now getting to what that is. Oh, my gosh, we've been watching this movie for how long? Yeah, the books, the, the movie was in a tough position, too, because it was setting up a lot. Yeah. Like, you could almost say that this movie is prologue. It's doing all this groundwork. So as far as, like, a focus of what, like, this this movie is about or going for, I would probably say identity more than anything else because everything about what he knew is gone Mm -hmm. like who his parents were what he is he's no longer a muggle he's no longer just this kid who lives under the stairs like one of the lowest people in his world now he's this person that everybody knows who he is he's very important um how does he reconcile that and like at the end of every year, he goes back and lives with the Dursleys. So, like, whatever happens to build himself up every year gets knocked, knocked back down. down at the end of the mm-hmm. year. But even that, like, the Dursleys are such a cartoonish family. Yeah. Here he comes, the birthday boy. Happy birthday, son. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just cook the breakfast and try not to burn anything? Yes, Aunt Petunia. I want everything to be perfect for my Dudley's special day. Hurry up. Bring my coffee, boy. Yes, Uncle Vernon. Aren't they wonderful, darling? How many are there? Thirty-six. Counted them myself. Thirty-six? But last year, last year, I had thirty-seven. Yeah, yes, well, some of them are quite a bit bigger than last year. I don't care how big they are. No, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. Is that when we go out, we're going to buy you two new presents. How's that, pumpkin? By the end of the series, like they're not. They yeah. like as the wizarding world starts bleeding into the muggle world and the threat becomes much realer, the Dursleys kinda like see Harry as like They need his help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and 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 it is shot very cartoony. I'll take eleven year olds into account there. But. There were a bunch of things that I was watching and I was like Ugh, okay. Well but the that that tone, Which is kind of like all part of it. I know, but <laughs> that tone isn't carried through at all. I mean, it's just kind of completely mm-hmm. abandoned once they get to Hogwarts. So it's not so much I mean, that I'm against that tone. It just seems like a, a an inconsistent choice. Sure, you know? sure. 
let me let me like quick try to justify that choice. Harry doesn't feel at home with the the Dursleys. Mm. Yeah. But he feels at home at Hogwarts. Like he finally feels like that's part of who he is. Yeah. So the fact that Hogwarts feels like a more realistic world you can live in versus the Muggle world, that thematically does make sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Um so I would say probably identity is like this one. And the friendship and that sort of thing because everybody's trying to like figure out who they are. And you see like Ron Ron's really good at chess and like all that sort of stuff, but finally at the end of the movie they have to like use that stuff in these very real situations. Yeah. Now what do we do? It's obvious, isn't it? We're gonna play our way across the room. All right. Harry, you take the empty bishop square. Hermione, you'll be the queenside castle. As for me, I'll be a knight. So they're sort of proving like, oh, this thing I was always good at, it's actually something that can... It's kind of like the wax on, wax off, paint the fence moment of the Karate Kid. Right. Along those lines, yeah. (laughs) I think identity would be, you know, a really interesting thing to play around with the movie. I guess part of, I think, why that doesn't seem to work as well is I I actually realize I haven't watched anything else Daniel Radcliffe's been in other than these Harry Potter movies. I don't think. But my understanding is that I think he perhaps got better as he yeah. matured as oh, an actor. Oh, he definitely did. But I don't think he sells it very well in this first no. movie. I think almost no. like, I, re- I watch it and I'm like, well, he was cast because he looks like Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, he's not selling that identity mm-hmm. crisis very well at all. Even when he's living with his muggle family, uh, the Dursleys, right? Yeah. You get that he's, you know, obviously being treated poorly. Right, but he's not really but selling he, it. Like, he's not he's selling it as, like, yeah, he's kind of like annoyed. Yeah, his brother. And then when he gets to Hogwarts, you'd think, oh, I finally found my family. You know, I think the movie tries to sell that with all the stuff around it, but he's not really selling it at all. No, Um, he's not that good. I will tell you, I I agree, though. Emma Watson as Hermione is is definitely the best character, I think, Mm -hmm. of of the kids in the movie. Mm -hmm. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to take someone's eye out. Besides, you're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. You do it then if you're so clever. Go on, go on. Wingardium Leviosa. And I might as well go into some stuff I do like about the movie. I mean, I really like... uh, It really made me miss Alan Rickman. I I really liked his, Mm -hmm. you know, performance as Snape. Maggie Smith, the, you know, the whole uh, faculty of the school was yeah. great, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and and like, they only get better throughout the series. I'm sure, I'm sure. I mean, those are great actors. And as you said, if the, if the characters get more complex, I mean, mm-hmm. those actors can handle that heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I, I also believe, like I said, that Hogwarts as the school, it's well portrayed. Mm-hmm. It's well thought out. I love like the, the moving pictures and the paintings and stuff like that. That yeah. has some wonder to it. Yeah. At the same time, Chris Columbus, he has his strengths, I guess, as far as, you know, pulling off a, a, a well-done family film. Yeah. That may be as far as I go. Yeah, I kind of felt like there just, some of it was kind of he doesn't strangely much, unimaginative. He doesn't have much vision. There's not much character to the mm-hmm. movie itself. And I, I thought it was odd that, like, a lot of the scenes that take place in the dark, they're almost lit, like, 
stage plays would yeah. light yep. a dark scene. Whereas I, I imagine like an Alfonso Cuarón would do really well with a dark scene, you yeah. know. And, and this does, just yeah. had like a lot of blue light mm-hmm. and just kind of was always shot in a way where I I sometimes felt like I was watching actors on a stage yeah. and it just seemed kind of uninspired and mm-hmm. missing that wonder that you it's would very think would safe. be yes, safe's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't want to screw it up. And I don't necessarily fault yeah. a movie made in 2001 for not having the best CGI, but some yeah, of it does have a very bad. video game stuff. Mm-hmm. feel for it, to it. Uh, yeah, and that's the other thing that kind of, in the book it feels so much more natural because she can sort of just describe like, you know, there was a Quidditch match and this happened and this happened and this happened. Yeah. Keep it character based. But the movie, it's like, what are they going to do with Quidditch? What's, what's Quidditch going to look yeah. like? And so it's got to be this like <laughs> really elaborate showpiece mm-hmm. that you know, halts the story. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to go with that sort of elaborate showpiece, I think some of the score is perfect, pitch perfect, yeah. you know? Some of the score is that, you know, that kind of warm brass that mm-hmm. you get when you're in Hogwarts. And then others of it is that really generic kind of epic score that yeah. just kind of makes the movie, makes it seem like they wanted the movie to be bigger than it really was. almost preferred a more kind of quaint like Mm. to stick with that smaller world and i do think that the later movies achieve a better balance there that things that are intimate and character driven they're fine just making it that not everything has to be impressive Uh, like i said this is this is the worst of the movies yeah um and chris columbus is definitely not a director i respect to the end of the earth or anything like he's just (laughs) all right good good home alone you did a good job with home alone yeah i like that movie um I mean, he directed Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. This is the guy that you want to hire when you need a movie that really appeals to Mm -hmm. that junior high, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe even a little bit younger crowd. Yeah. Because, geez, I sure did love Mrs. Doubtfire when I was 12. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that guy had a string of hits. Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Stepmom, Percy Jackson. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would make sense after doing Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. But he wrote like Goonies and yeah, Gremlins and Gremlins too. He can make a movie. I it's think he's just, probably at this point a better producer than he is director. Maybe yeah, he always was a better writer producer than he was director. He was safe. He showed people what they wanted to see. He directed the first two, and I I think it was the probably the best decision they ever made to switch directors. Yeah, I don't think that even Prisoner of Azkaban is a perfect movie. I think. You could probably say the best movie of the series is maybe Half Blood Prince. Okay, You're gonna press me on that. Okay, <laughs> um, but um, which is the one that had the Nick Cave song in it, or was that just in the trailer? It's the song from um, Abattoir Blues and Liar of Orpheus. Yeah. Um, Chil- oh, children. I remember, you know, obviously I had kind of discounted and, and wrote off Harry Potter as a series that I was going to see every time they put a movie out. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing that trailer and I was like, whoa, that's Nick Cave. That's yeah. an interesting choice for a Harry Potter movie. It was in Harry Potter a and the Deathly song Hallows Part and, 1. But very dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Um, and that wasn't the only time that they had uh, interesting music. There's one of the movies where there's like this big wizard band called the weird sisters they show up in the movie in the goblet of fire and the band performs at this dance and the band is made up of uh jarvis cocker okay from pulp yeah 
Johnny Greenwood, Jason Buckle, and Steve Mackey, also of Paul. They're just playing at the school, or yeah, they're oh. they're the they're the weird sisters. Put your hands up in the air like an ogre who just don't care. Can you dance like April Grip? Mama, 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 mama. Flying off from a cliff. Mama, 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 mama. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. Like you saw Nick Cave. And, and I was yeah. watching, and I was like, is that Jarvis Cocker? I was like, what? And then, <laughs> yeah, it was. And they were like... Just injecting that little bit of hipster cred. Yeah, a little when bit. Where it's needed. I'm sure... That I'm, but I, from what I understand, they all wanted to. Like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, they all asked, you know, yeah. if they could do it. I was, and, and, and kind of speaking to just cameos that, you know, kind of lend a little credibility, I, I kind of forgot that John Cleese was in mm-hmm. Sorcerer's Stone for yeah. that few seconds, you know? Yeah, that's another thing. Like, the book makes so much more of the ghosts. Yeah. Like the Bloody Baron is a huge character and he just like somebody's like, There's the Bloody Baron at one point in the movie. Yeah, they're just in and out, yeah. really. But, but yeah, John Cleese, um John Hurt, I had forgotten was Ollivander. But there was a lot of that. There was a lot of like, boy, if you were a fan of the book, I bet you're loving this. Mm-hmm. And there was part of that that I could share in. Like the sorting hat looked really cool and I, I mm-hmm. liked that. And me being sort of a gearhead guitar guy, like I understood the whole Nimbus 2000 thing. I'm like, you know, that would be like holding, you yeah. know, a very special Gibson Les Paul guitar in yeah. your hand, you know? So like, I kind of liked that sort of idea of like, you're going to a wizardry school and there's gear that yeah. is like the good gear. And then there's like sort of the generic gear, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, mm-hmm. a lot of it did just seem like we're just we're just making sure that we hit all the notes with the fans. Yeah, you know? and like I said, I think this movie is prologue, essentially, because so much of once you get through the series, you realize a lot of things that happen even in the first book end up having a lot of significance, like the fact that the Sorting Hat says about Harry, like, "Ooh, do I put you in Slytherin or Gryffindor? Like, you could be either one." And like that actually is significant later. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Harry has the qualities of a Slytherin and the qualities of a Gryffindor. And like, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I get, uh, like, as I was watching it again, I was like, uh, this is going to be a tough conversation because <laughs> I, I, I don't really stand by this film. There's something about it that it does right. A lot of things it does right. And a lot of those things are just feels, you know, like not mm-hmm. really technically proficient things. Um, it's not airtight. Kelsey actually said while we were watching it, she's like, if you think about it, it's really weird that there's three 11-year-olds heading up this investigation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's true. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are like inconsistent for me that I still have questions about Harry Potter and maybe some real fans would be able to shed some light on it. But like, why spells and wands are so important but then it sometimes like somebody can just snap their fingers and the whole room's yeah. filled with fire like uh so what do you just get to that point or what like right are certain spells require the wand others don't or? right and harry can like make the glass disappear without a wand and not a spell like is magic wishing like yeah. what is this so yeah it's it's i mean every 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 concern you have for like the movie's plot holes kind of for the most part, do those questions get answered? A lot of what mm-hmm. you're talking about. So I kind of, I do wish you would, you could see the rest of the series. Well, I, I could. I they know do it exist. Would. I, could. I wish you would see the rest <laughs> okay. of the series. But the trouble is, they're all still Harry Potter movies. Even though, even Prisoner of Azkaban, it still you know predicates 
the interest in that world and like the mm-hmm. sense of wonder. You know, if you're saying that the first movie really is prologue, I mean, I could, you know, give it a chance and see where it goes. I feel like it has to get better because, you know, <laughs> like I said, my wife loves the series yeah. and, and, and she's read it multiple times. I've got so many friends who have done the same thing. I mean, well, let me, and also let me put it this way, movie wise, as far as adaptations of books, I kind of put Sorcerer's Stone on the same level I would put the movie adaptation of Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. And I didn't really care for that adaptation either, even though I like the book Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But with Harry Potter, everyone kept saying the movies get better. Mm-hmm. Chronicles of Narnia is the exact opposite. It was like the movies just get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. You know? So I'm kind of like, all right, I don't need to follow that series, but there's right. still a part of me that's like, maybe I need to keep going with the yeah. Harry Potter stuff. Now you have seen Chamber of Secrets, right? When did you yeah, see Yeah, and that? I didn't like that one either. Yeah. I fell, actually I mean, fell asleep in that one again. too. Yeah. And that one's not great. Ron is super annoying in that one. Um, Chamber of Secrets was also, of the three books I read, my least favorite book that I read. Yeah. The thing about Chamber of Secrets is that it's got some very important elements that come up later. Yeah. So what I might suggest uh, is just read a Wikipedia thing on Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> okay. Like to remind yourself of what happens because um, Voldemort's history is very filled in there. Um, one of the first Horcruxes is in that book. And then watch Prisoner Basketball. And then see how it goes. All right. But I don't like Whatever Prisoner of Azkaban, time. though. I understand. I think that's 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 going to be the end of the line for but me. But you got to know what it is, too. I mean, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying it's the best movie. You yeah. know, it's but it's the the series definitely shifts. All I'm looking for is 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 somewhere in it for it to connect with me. Yeah. So and it may not. If that happens in know. the third movie, then I think I'd be good. Same thing happened with The Wire. When I watched that, it took like five episodes for me to actually get into the That's wire. That's true, and you, you gave know? up on it. I did. I told you to go back. You did. So I would there's not, some precedent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we started this whole thing, because yeah. we, that's what we did to each other. You should watch that again. <laughs> well, let's, let's uh, so, so how are we doing? How's yeah, our friendship doing here? I feel fine. We don't agree. I think we've got a mutual understanding. Yeah, that's a mutual understanding, I think. This is probably about as uh, clear-cut mutual understanding situation. Yeah. Where you see where I'm coming from, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, your your rating probably staying the same, I'm guessing. Yeah. Four, three and a half. Yeah. I wouldn't really want you to drop it, to be honest. Like, that would make me feel bad <laughs> if I did that, because I'd be like, why Why would I, for a movie that's just a comfort to people, why Why would I right. make sure yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. not very comfortable for you anymore? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to make sure I don't do that. I, word gets around, uh, and at the high school I work at, Kids I don't even know will come up and be like, I hear you hate Mamma Mia. I'll be like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I should probably make sure that I'm not... like when they I ask do, me, but that doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, like, yeah, I get why... I guess, theoretically, I get why people like it. So go ahead and like it. <laughs> Just don't hate me for not liking it. Yeah, So I appreciate, I appreciate the stance you took on this. And I give it two and a half, which is like right on there on the yeah. three, which is, you know, three is kind of like your average movie. But like I said, it just, it, just it, it bugged me. So, movie. yeah. And you know what? I, this was good, I think, for the podcast, too, because I think if longtime listeners have been listening for a while, they might get the impression that I just like everything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> which and couldn't I really just... be further from the truth. It's just that the movies we tend to pick or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've done a movie that that 
I, I had to kind of point out and say, I don't like this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. So it's good to have balance. Yeah. I don't know if we've achieved balance, but there's still, if we're just going <laughs> well, numbers right. wise. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I feel good about this. This is good. Why don't yeah, we uh, go ahead and just talk about uh, what we're going to be discussing in our next episode. Okay. The holidays are upon us. Indeed. Thanksgiving is, uh, as the time of this recording, coming up very soon. Yeah, and, just a couple uh, days away. Yep. And then, uh, you know, this this is this episode will probably come up very close to Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. And so really our next one's going to be our holiday yeah. movie. And, you know, the first year we did Christmas Story. I won't Ugh. talk much about that. Uh, last year we did Muppet Christmas Carol. It was a big uh. love fest. Yeah. But uh, we need a new holiday movie or mm-hmm. Christmas movie or whatever you uh, celebrate. Something to ring in the holidays uh-huh. for this podcast. And so we were looking through the holiday movies. And the one that kind of jumped out to us uh, that we had both seen once but haven't seen since, but we keep seeing it lately show up on lists of like best holiday Christmas movies, movies yeah. that, you know, I don't think I always growing up at least considered a holiday movie, no, but and I think that's part of the appeal of the people who say this is my favorite Christmas movie because they knew they don't like, like Christmas movies. And then this is something that sure. Yeah. That movie, Nate, go ahead and say it. We're going to be watching 1988's Die Hard, uh, starring Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. Again. Alan Rickman again. Yeah, let's keep that train going. So, Die Hard is a movie that uh, we, you know, we haven't, I don't think, done a ton of action movies for this podcast. I don't think so. But I like a well-done action movie. Die I Hard being too. sort of considered one of the best People of all time. Say that about it. Yeah. And I always forget that. Yeah, it is technically a Christmas movie. Or yeah, as the AV Club called that type of movie, Christmas adjacent. <laughs> It's, set in a Christmas-like atmosphere. Yeah. And it definitely... I think they're at a Christmas party, right? I mean, yeah. Am I remembering that I remember... Correctly? I vaguely remember, like, holiday lights kind of being in the background for some scenes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, Isn't there yeah. a part with, like... I remember... Oh, that's glass on the... Fi- I'm mixing up when... Uh, yeah, Home Alone. Home Alone, where he steps on the Christmas <laughs> ornaments and hurts his feet, and yeah. when Bruce Willis has to uh, walk on glass barefoot. Right. Um, I, I often mix up Home Alone and Die Hard, mm-hmm. so just forgive me that little slip up there. Yeah. I would say people that Home Alone is Macaulay Culkin's Die Hard. I don't think you'd find a lot of people who disagree with you on that point. I'm looking, did, back, wrong. I'm looking back at our list just to that it was an interesting question to me if we'd done an action movie. We've done quite a few. I don't think we've done an 80s action. Like, we haven't done that type of action movie. The time is right for that. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas time. Right, yeah. Time to talk about what is masculinity. <laughs> yes. You know? So we hope that you, uh, you know, take some time to uh, enjoy a good action flick. Sure. Watch yeah. Die Hard with us. And uh, if you as a listener have any sort of feedback or comments about Die Hard or about um, what's the movie we talked about? <laughs> Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry and the Potter Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. Uh-huh. Uh, we would love to hear those. Um, actually, you know, and, and what's the fantastic, fantastic piece from where to find them? That, You're doing I'm great. doing great You're with doing the titles awesome. here. Um, has Let's anybody go. seen that movie? I, I haven't. It I don't know. If I will. Well, I know, but by the time this episode comes out, you know, it'll have come out four weeks ago. <laughs> Probably, it may or may not have come That's out four fine. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see it. I hope I can see it in theaters. Yeah, have you heard good things? I don't. I haven't. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I'm sure Harry Potter fans sure will love it. And yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure I'll hear from my students on Monday. 
But I would probably I, all love it. I'd love to hear from our listeners on any of our past episodes on Harry mm-hmm. Potter and uh, about what you're doing for the holidays, yeah. movie wise, and uh, you know, and uh, maybe you're traveling for the holidays and listening to back episodes. Yeah, who knows? And if you're listening and you go back in the uh, past episodes and realize that you know you really think this podcast sucks, I want to know you know before you unsubscribe. Yeah, just let us know why. Yeah, be nice. Be, well, don't be overly rude. Okay. Ryan might not be able to take it. I don't want to read them. Okay. Uh, I will Nate. I will screen these before Ryan sees them so you can be honest. We've got several avenues for you to do that. We right. make it very easy for you. Yeah. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Uh, you can just search the podcast name and we should come right up. And you can comment on our episodes uh, as they're posted on Facebook or send us a message there or on Twitter. Just reply to us or follow us. And uh, we also have an email. Mm-hmm. You can send us electronic mail. Yeah. That address is feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. Correct. Canwestillbefriends.net is actually our website as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just a clever ending to our email address. So uh, that's also where you can leave comments on every single episode and mm-hmm. check out the back episodes and look at the archive. And then, if, as if that weren't enough. Wow, yeah. we got. Are you overwhelmed yet? I'm not... I can tell that some of our listeners are, but, you know, in the spirit of Black Friday shopping, we're just going to overwhelm you with options. Yes. And sales. Sales on how to get in contact That's with That's right. And this is a freebie here. We've got a phone number. Whoa. We're giving this one away for free? <laughs> we're giving away. This is a Black Friday Door sale. We right. have a voicemail uh, box where you can leave uh, messages for us completely free. Well, I shouldn't say that because there might be phone charges that apply. Yeah, if you're using a payphone, you'll have um, to pay for that. So just keep that in mind. But we're not going to charge you for right. leaving a voicemail message. That number you want to call, if you want to call it, is 847 306 9532. Bam, we just did it. That's it. That is it. It's out there. Now, I, I do. I, I wonder if people have votes for the various Harry Potter fan names. Which one do you think is correct? So we've we've got potheads, Pot- we've got potties, <laughs> we've got hairy heads, we've got warthogs, uh, we've got you whiz did say kids, that, yeah. whiz kids, right? I think there are other ones. Um, I don't know if we said any others, but can you think of any off the top, off the, off the top of your head? Rowling Rousers? Rowling Rousers, okay. <laughs> okay. There may be something there. Rowlers? Rollers? Row, row. Holy uh, Rowlers? Sure. Um, uh, you I'll put you on say, the spot, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, and I'm, boy, I'm really going out there here. Um, you know, um, Harry Potter sucks JK Rowling. <laughs> So bad. (laughs) All right. So um, cast your vote for any of those, or if you have your own name that you can think of for uh, Harry Potter fans, leave that for us. Maybe in a voicemail. Boy, when put into a corner, you definitely, (laughs) you definitely fight your way out. Uh, (laughs) I yeah. I don't know if I've made it out or not. (laughs) I think I'm still backed in that corner. You might be. If you, but you know, I'd also there should be an other option there. So if anyone has a better one, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And uh, enjoy the Christmas season. Hopefully, we're going to catch you before Christmas with our holiday episode. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we that's should, the plan. hopefully. We but, may or may uh, not. But, you know, uh, enjoy the time with the family. Mm-hmm. Those you love, remember that you do love them, that's no matter right. what they say. That's right. And uh, we will uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, stay strong.
of the Bloody Baron. <laughs>